they're really mean to me then. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, well, fine. I'm like small, half Filipino lady. And the announcer was like, all right, this is going to be a great race, everyone. And I was like super pissed off. Yeah. And yes, it is. And then it was just like, <laughs> like going off. And then I like was in the zone. Like yeah. I, I would say that was probably, probably the most I've ever was in the zone as an athlete. Hello again, everyone, or ohisashiburi, long time no see in Japanese since I'll probably be eating my way through Tokyo by the time this episode goes live. It has been a very, very long time since our last episode, and I'd like to say that we were on break, that really we were just producing season number two, but in reality, things just got busy. So first, I do want to apologize to anyone and everyone who's been asking Yo, man, what's up with Hidden Apron lately? Are you guys still doing dinners? Are you still recording podcasts? Uh, it's been a very busy last few months with Ricky, who supplies the tunes and graphics for these episodes, and myself doing some major traveling. Um, I think he's been to like three other countries, and I've been to Cambodia and Philippines. Um, not to mention some very big changes with my day job, you know, just such is the nature of the, the side hustle. But that's neither here nor there, and you probably don't care about any of that. I'm happy to say we are back again in the game. In fact, we've got several episodes recorded and lined up in time for spring. So what can you expect? Uh, we're shifting gears a tad bit this year. So before we go into the episode, I wanted to quickly go over those. I uh, spent a little time reflecting on you know what this show is really all about, because as I mentioned before, we kind of just started it on a whim and why it's not just any ordinary food podcast. Uh, I kept coming back to this uh, tagline of ours of breaking bread and breaking boundaries and what does that really mean. Now, if you've listened to the last few episodes, we've focused heavily on the breaking bread part around the, the actual food itself, how people are breaking boundaries in the world of food, producing it, serving it, um, chefs, whether they're a chef or a farmer. But I think the more I talk to people about food and the context in which we enjoy it in, the more I realize that we actually need to widen our lens a lot more because food is not just about the actual act of eating um, or growing your food. So I'd pretty much be lying or living under a rock if I didn't acknowledge the fact that 2017 started off quite tumultuous for many of us. And as we continue to produce this show, I thought, you know, what can we do in our own little way and creating a more uh, human, just and connected world, at least through this podcast. And so you'll notice in these coming episodes that we do still talk about food. After all, this is still a very food centric podcast. But we also want to spend time looking at the role it plays in the larger scheme of things. You know, how do you use food to create just or unjust systems? What are the ways food influences our lives, even if we're not eating it? How do business folks balance profit with the human right to eat? Or how can food play a role in resistance, but also in creating a more welcoming society? Now, these are the types of questions that we want to discover that we probably haven't spent a lot of time thinking about, at least for the next few episodes. Food, after all, can't really be experienced in isolation from the rest of our lives. You know, they're not these static dishes we Instagram and forget about. It, it kind of is the human experience, and you can expect that we'll be looking at the ways food can enrich our lives, not just our stomachs. But 
enough philosophizing for now. I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, today, we are kicking things off for this year with a bit of a twist with our first guest, Isang Smith. Uh, Isang is a licensed massage therapist, multi-sport athlete from primarily running. She actually won the silver for the 800 meter and the gold for the 1500 meter in the Philippine National Open back in 2015. She does Muay Thai, strength training, and she's an all-around badass. I mean, her name in Tagalog actually translates to, like, the one. So you can guess what my reaction was when I was first going to interview her. Um, but trust me, she's, like, the nicest person ever. Personally, I've been going through training lately from weights, gymnastics, strength, um, dance. So I wanted to explore this avenue of getting folks from the fitness and health side into the show. This is definitely an episode where... You'll hear about how food literally fuels the body and a professional athlete's take on it. We talk a little bit about Isang's work first, um, some common misconceptions about health and especially around recovery and diet, her approach to nutrition, which is deceptively simple, questions you should ask before you build your nutrition plan and how she uses sports as a way not just to empower herself, but also to build communities around her. Um... I think it's important to note that while we do focus on some tactics, uh, many quite simple actually and far less overwhelming than the internet, you know, just do a Google search of like top diets and it's it's a rabbit hole, you know, it's a lot simpler than it seems. There's a, a lot of big takeaways here besides the tactics in what Isang has to say about the mindset and approach one takes to their own health, uh, training, diet, and, you know, I think that's the thing that oftentimes gets overlooked when we talk about um, fueling oneself and then practicing your sport if you happen to be in one. Also featured for a tiny bit on the show is Lee Scantilides, also an accomplished athlete and trainer who managed to pop in for a question or two and who perhaps, maybe, if I can finagle my way into getting some time of his into a future episode. So without further ado, first episode for 2017, Isang Smith. Isang, welcome to Hidden Apron Radio. Thanks for having me. I know most times when people get interviewed, you know how they always start with like the origin story? Oh, You're sure. Like, how did you start? But I feel like <laughs> I feel like I want to switch it up and we'll actually start with today. Okay. And kind of move backwards. So because cool. I, I think that if we just started with like Isang, she's a runner. You go down that whole road. But currently today, what is on your plate like what are you doing now because i know i mean looking on your instagram like i don't know if you're a, a muay thai boxer are you a runner like what's on your plate today well today if you're talking about activities i yeah. usually would have been at like doing i would have been doing muay thai right now mm. um i actually took a run and i totally forgot about it i take it back i ran today <laughs> I, no i just it's like breathing for me i, yeah. I went for a run and it kind of just fit into the day so <laughs> it's like so I take it back I went for a run I coached my um 11 year old client it was a beautiful day for that and um yeah I think uh pretty much just one of those go 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 days getting errands done working out and uh working hard so cool. so for you what are you working towards I guess because I know it's such a very goal-oriented thing right like what are we running towards what are you working on towards now <laughs> I was like, what are you running towards? Yeah. Right? Like great, Whoa, great tie in right there. Like I like that. that. Um, right now I am exploring, um, I want to be competitive in martial arts and okay. I, Muay Thai specifically, Muay Thai just, specifically. Okay. um, and so I, you know, I took, I took up jujitsu actually, I've only been doing it for 
about a week and a half, so I can't say I do. I feel like I am getting to the point where I can say I do jujitsu. Um, that's been fun, but really, I my focus has been on uh, becoming a better Muay Thai athlete, and you know, ultimately, I I am hoping to earn a fight. I love to um, go and just see what that's about. I never ever thought that I would want to do something like that. Yeah. Um, my background has been running like. Since I was a kid, I just ran and ran and was competitive in that up until 2000, uh, 2015-ish, yeah, beginning yeah. 2015. Um, and then I kind of just hit a burnt-out phase and explored something else called Muay Thai, and now here we are. I, I, I really am loving it. This is good. I feel like I don't have to, like, manufacture these segues because you've already brought up, like, three things I'm going to ask about later. Great. Um, <laughs> you're doing a lot of things, right? You're, you're training, you're coaching... Strength training, you're, yeah. I forgot yeah, to mention you're that. Doing the, you're, you're going to get your certification in acupuncture. License, yeah. You're I can license, get license sorry. in acupuncture, yeah. So when you when someone goes up to you at a party, because you can't give the, the usual reply, like, I'm a banker, you know what I mean? So if someone asks you, like, what do you do? What do you what do you say? Like, if you had to explain yourself in, like, one line, what do you say you, you do or are? That's a tough one if it's a one-liner. But I, I honestly, I you do the, I guess it's kind of boring when I open up with, I'm a massage therapist. Because okay. I, I go by, like, what's my full-time job? I have a full-time massage practice. Right. So I'm a massage therapist. And then if the conversation, if they value me, you know, for that one minute, yeah. I guess I'll talk more about my life and reveal, yeah, I'm I'm a, currently finishing up acupuncture school. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going and training and one, two three different uh sports as you will well martial arts jujitsu muay thai and mm-hmm. running um and throwing in strength training there okay. and uh, my life style has honestly organically just become this it, it really was um i decided to do things that make me happy and yeah. not force anything i was like i just know what feels right for me and i chose to have a lifestyle that has all these things and i i honestly feel very uh very natural and good about it so work work is play yeah. um i never really feel like i'm working i'm just constantly learning getting it's like the to holy grail right new. it's it's great i yeah. i love it so i i can say i feel pretty lucky to have developed this lifestyle right now in new york city of all places right yeah right. i mean a lot of uh us desk warriors <laughs> guys no, are hardcore use, we, we like hanging out with you <laughs> so <laughs> i'm glad um besides the the pure physicality of it right because a lot of these things do take a toll on your body. What mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out, what is the common thread that you see in all of this? Like, what ties them all together? The, you know, you chose these specific paths, but you could have chosen, I don't know, swimming for something, you know, but obviously mm-hmm. you didn't. So, like, what do you, what do you think is the, the common thread among the paths that you've chosen today? There goes the cat. <laughs> so, the cat has there an answer. There is not a cat on my lap. Um, well, I guess, if I'm trying to think, like, a the common thing, I mean, if you put it under the umbrella of health and wellness, mm-hmm. that's what I've always kind of gravitated, I've always gravitated towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, running, honestly, I would say running has been the common thread for all of this. Oh, through, okay. Through running, it's because of running, I came to New York City, I was recruited, um, and I competed for Columbia's track team. Yeah. And then through running, I actually connected with the running community after college, and everything kind of right. just opened up because of that. I, I met so many amazing people uh, when I used to work at Jackrabbit Sports. Um, you know, I, I learned, you know, I was coaching and I learned about all these other things, multi-sports and, um, 
mountain biking. I was mountain biking for some time. Um, but then it always kind of went back to running. Yeah. And uh, because of running, I also knew what made me feel better after um, I trained really hard. It was to get um, massage work done. So okay. I naturally would work on my friends to help them get out of pain or like feel better after training. Right. And they're like, Oh wow, you're really good at, you know, massaging. You should learn massage. So and that's what got you into And that's what got me into massage. So oh, it kind okay. of, uh, all, I was like, yeah, I'm really happy to learn about things that, you know, that help people feel better and massage. It was, I definitely did not anticipate to have a massage practice. Um, as my cat's about to jump on your back and massage okay. you. Yeah, with his totally paws. Cool. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a, guest, a good guest, um, <laughs> guest on the guest show. Guest on the show. Um, you know, I I just just went where what felt right, and okay. um, I, I think at that time I went to massage school. I didn't know just yet what I wanted to do with my life in a professional way, um, but then massage school just all of a sudden that became my profession, and I really love it. And that then led to acupuncture school and natural progression because. Yeah. I want I wanted my treatment plans with my patients to evolve, um, and once again I'm just hanging out with a bunch of runners <laughs> in my massage practice, yeah. and um, that's been pretty rewarding. So yeah. that's that's the common thread. I, the one word running. Running has been okay. what got me to all these places. Yeah, the reason I asked that is because I, I remember I, I don't know if it was an article or or an interview you did with someone else where you described yourself as like impulsive. Oh, yeah. So sometimes, you know, someone who's just looking through this will say, like, well, she obviously chose that through random when really there's, like, a, a natural progression throughout it, which is, like, yeah. that's the interesting part. With regards to misconceptions, though, because, and I don't know if this is the right way to, from a newbie's mind who doesn't work out as much as any of the other professionals, mm-hmm. I, I think of this as, like, one part where you're exerting yourself, so the Muay Thai, the running, um, the strength training, and then there's the part that, you do for healing which is the massage the acupuncture although you could argue that sports is therapeutic so really that's healing oh yeah too, it's, right? it's therapeutic for sure are there any major misconceptions that people have with regards to the exertive part sports working out you know are there things that that you're like man people just don't understand this aspect of running or muay thai or whatever yeah that's that's a great question i think you know coming from my perspective as a practitioner to be um, in acupuncture and also as a massage therapist, what I see people do day in, day out is they push their bodies and their minds to like this end where I'm like, oh, you know, you can go further for a longer time if you just kind of scale it back too for like Mm -hmm. prioritizing recovery days or understanding that the body, you know, by putting so much out, you also want to make sure you're bringing stuff back in. Mm -hmm. Um, So the misconception, I think when if you're, oh, sorry, were you talking about like what people think when they see Muay Thai athletes or when they no, see when runners? No, when just or... in, in terms of like exerting the body. So you're totally... Okay, spot on. I was like, well, when I first saw Muay Thai athletes, yeah. I was like, holy shit, they're scary and angry. But that's <laughs> not true. They are the best people around yeah, and they're yeah. so loving and caring. Um, what I was going to say for when it comes to working out, I think the no pain, no gain mentality is still prevalent with a lot right. of athletes. I think that... Um, you know, when it comes to injury prevention, people know about that. They know that's a good idea and they know that foam rolling and stretching, um, is, it's a good idea as well. But I think that the, in, in terms of prioritizing it, I, I think that there's this idea like, oh, you know, maybe once in a while is okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're looking to have a long-term experience in sports or to be competitive, mm-hmm. um, definitely the best way is to have structure around 
your training. Um, it can't just be all in and just keep going until you kind of burn yourself out. So it's not just like, because I, I remember, and this is like high school days, you stretch after your workout. Like, that's not enough. You're saying that's... that's that that definitely helps. And there's, there's a lot of factors that goes into, say, a high school athlete who can do so much and um, stretch and they never get injured. We, yeah. You know, they have, they regenerate a lot faster than say you or I, gotcha. who I still think we're pretty young looking and, you know, I think we're, I think we're doing okay in our age. Um, but, you know, they have a lot of other things too, where um, say with injury, it could be other things like weaknesses or um, what have you, like a, a trauma. Um, but for people like you and I who are working professionals, who mm-hmm. are kind of like, in the grind, paying bills, trying to like socialize when we can and um, sitting at a desk for a long time. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a balancing act. I think that should be um, focused on more when it comes to choosing to have a pretty involved training schedule and, mm-hmm. you know, living a, like a very involved, um, busy life. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So gotcha. self, self care is very important. I think that, um, you know, if there's a misconception about, training is what you and I do where we go all in. It's um, that there should be structure to recovery days or to self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the misconceptions I had, because uh, I think you're right, self-care kind of used to paint this as like one broad brush, you know, like, oh uh-huh. yeah, sure, just relax for a day or two. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's really no structure. But one of the misconceptions I had specifically with massage, with what, what you do, because I came to you twice, mm-hmm. and prior to that, I thought massage is just like one thing. You get it when you feel stressed. You get a massage, you go mm-hmm. to the spa, it feels good. But one of the things that I later found out after coming to you and reading your site is that there's actually many types of massages for many purposes. Yes. Right. So what are some 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 just broad examples of what types of massage you would use for like purpose XYZ, whatever the most common that you've seen. So maybe like someone who's a hardcore athlete versus someone who is recovering from an injury like are there different massage types for those there are um definitely it depends on the stage of say if a person comes in with an injury what stage the injury is in Mm -hmm. um are they currently receiving any type of therapy for it with a physical therapist um or chiropractor those are those things are taken into consideration um you know say that a person uh is doing a good week worth of mileage they're running I don't know, maybe like 60 to 80 miles in that week. And um, they come and see me probably on their one rest day. And that's after like a very hardcore interval workout, maybe okay. maybe like the day before or even in the morning of that day. Um, you know, I, I find when a person walks in, what I like to look for is one, their energy. Like how, how do they look? Do they feel really, yeah. do they look really beaten down? Yeah. Are they needing like the lights a little dimmer? Are they needing um, just a moment to kind of like, unwind and like find a way to let their body reset because if they come in to see me and they're like okay dig deep like just brutalize me right which a lot of I find a lot of athletes think that that's the only way to get to some of the um Mm -hmm. some of the fascia that is like feeling really tight or to get to um, any restrictions um but then they look like complete completely wrecked um I make decisions also on that um where there's ways around to the same path to help you know, remove any of the restrictions to help them kind of like feel restored, rejuvenated, um, to help them regenerate faster, pretty much. Um, we'll say that person comes in and I am going to go work on their hamstrings. They're like, it's been like crazy the whole week. And can you just like dig into me hardcore? But they're also looking like they want to fall asleep or something like that. So <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I change the environment for them to suit the needs. I think that will help them feel 
better the next day, Um, especially if they have training the next day as well. So there is going to be deep work involved, but it's going to be probably like a slower myofascial release. Um, I often try and like focus on the feet of those people that are coming in and they look completely wrecked because everyone needs a good foot massage like once in their lifetime or once in a while. Um, And I think, uh, yeah, I actually, I kind of want to, I want to reapproach that. I feel like I'm I'm rambling on talking about Listen, like a case this, story. I don't no, know. No, no, no. It's, I, all good. Like, it, it's like it's hard to explain. Like when a person comes in, because would you say it's it, it's, and I think this is why it's good that uh, I'm asking these questions because I myself don't know. So mm-hmm. from from your perspective, you can't you don't have a a flow chart like a decision tree where like if this guy is an athlete, use shiatsu or use this. You can't do that. It's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as that. No, okay. I mean if. Say I'm going to try and again with another case. I think this one will be better. They're like yeah. smoother with it. Um, say an athlete comes in and they, you know, they're a triathlete. They're swimming, biking, running mm-hmm. all week. And um, pretty much they say, oh, my neck is hurting really bad and I have lower back pain. And um, I just been feeling really heavy and fatigued. And, yeah. you know, that person looks like they look really uh, tired. Um, I most likely will blend in a few things. I will most definitely give them deep tissue work on the areas that they're saying it feels tight, sore, restricted. Um, But there's other things I want to bring to the table too that helps to restore, rebalance their, you know, their energy um, Mm -hmm. and also just kind of help them get into a parasympathetic state because a lot of what the work parasympathetic? parasympathetic it's pretty much you're not in sympathetic you're not in flight yeah. you know or fright you're, you're not you're not like stimulated and you're yeah. able to kind of let everything else all the natural um body mechanisms go and um work to help restore recover gotcha. that's like a terrible definition right there <laughs> don't <laughs> worry in the show notes there will be links <laughs> so, I will save you um but it's it's really to get them to just restore and recover okay. um even better so all the nat- natural healing mechanisms of the body rest and digest comes into play better in parasympathetic state and that's sure. that's where a person recovers faster so I, I would say getting them to that zone helps you know so much with a session um and yeah like if a person comes in and they have like anything in the joints or they they're like my knees or um you know my back of course i'll do some orthopedic tests and Mm -hmm. i'll go and run them through the whole entire thing of like oh is this painful okay i'm going to try and release this to alleviate that but pain is a very good guide i find as a practitioner Mm -hmm. to tell me okay this person has had pain in that shoulder for you know, X number of weeks, what's going on. And then I, I kind of like go and my protocol is to kind of find the different areas of the body that could also be contributing to that pain and then work on those yeah. areas also. That was surprising to me that, uh-huh. you know, if I, cause I, I remember coming for the shoulder and I thought like, Oh, just massage the shoulder. But mm-hmm. really it's like, it could be the right lower back. Yeah. In, in my case, it was like the subscapularis. So. Yeah. We were looking like your the subscapularis. I, you know, I also noticed, like, when it comes to, like, the pec muscles yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, there's just so much that goes into um, what I'm noticing more and more for clients coming in. They they work so often at the desk and there's this kind of, like, kinda, like over yeah, yeah, there's this um, hunched over position they hold and the muscles that are shortened in the front, a lot of the tension on the back can be coming from that. So I like to actually, you know, I do work on the back, but that's not, just because the pain's there doesn't mean that that's the primary place to go and gotcha. work on. Um so I hope that kind of answers the question of like how I would decide to like, what do I choose to use? Yeah. Um, I think like the theme for my work, it's, it's very based on 
how to get that person to reset and to get out of pain with, right. you know, within that session or hopefully within a few, depending on what's going on. Um, and so I have all these different styles that I learned, cranial sacral, tweena massage, Swedish, yeah. reflexology, um, deep, you know, I, I pretty much uh, try and throw in and make it as customized as possible. So that person just feels like a million bucks. Well, yeah, right. After. It, it, yeah. Sounds, it just sounds to me more, a lot more nuanced than you know, potentially what we think of as a massage where you go to a place and you select how many minutes mm-hmm. and you kind of say like, you know, broadly you're like hard or soft and that's, that's kind of it, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's an experience. There's a time and place for that. I mean, right. I, I got those massages when I was in a pinch for time and I was like, someone needs to press on this yeah, and I'll yeah, feel yeah, a million yeah. times better. Right. Um, but you know, I, I have say, I have a few friends, you know, when, whenever we train together, like in passing, um, one, like say one went to a nail salon and they're like, oh, you know, I just had to get a massage and I need my neck pressed on. Mm-hmm. But then when I see her and her posture um, or his posture and I, I like watch how they walk, I watch how they like kind of if they're over their phones. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, there, there are so many different things I would contribute. Like I would want to contribute to their massage session that I feel – you know, like within a few sessions that would just change the whole relationship of what's happening in the mm-hmm. back. Um, so it's definitely nice, like that feeling of having your, say your neck or your back pressed on and, um, you know, those places that you mentioned before, like the timer plays hard or yeah, yeah, medium yeah. or whatever. Um, but then I guess that's why the training I received, I received it for the reason that to be more effective in the sessions mm-hmm. and to actually get to the source versus just kind of like the, the root or um to get to the source versus just like the the symptom, uh, the symptom like, exactly like the next two hours basically yes exactly gotcha gotcha yeah. gotcha pulling it back to the training part because you you mentioned your your you coach if you are are there like things that you should look at when deciding like oh this person's gonna be a good coach or a good therapist when it comes to healing like are there things in common that you're like how do you, how basically how do you decide. If you were if you were in someone else's place and you're looking for like a good coach and a good therapist, what are the things that you should look for? I guess I mean I'm trying to think for well my clients their feedback to me the way they found me was because I I just hang out in their community and mm-hmm. that I understand the I understand the lifestyle they have and I can you know. I can empathize, empathize with them. The whole, did I say that right? Empathize. Yeah. I have empathy, empathize. I always emphasize or empathize. <laughs> totally cut that out. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, a, a plus to be able to like connect with people. Um, and then when they discover that I am a massage therapist, they're like, Oh, so she'll, she'll get what I'm going through. Cause I've been through it before. Oh, like okay. I've definitely been through, you know, calf strains and lower back pain and um you know i i think the whole whole thing too being able to connect with your therapist is super important because um more often than not my clients when they feel that they can kind of just rest and trust the whole process Mm -hmm. then that makes the treatment plan that much better um so i'd say what people can look for that was your original question right what they could look for um it's it's usually that the person has gone to a um, reputable program or school mm-hmm. has definitely invested a lot of time into training, continuing ed or workshops, you know, and that pretty much they're a part of the community that they get the language, they get the, yeah. um, the expectations of that. Class. I guess those are the things that people should ask. Cause I'm sure this, you know, mm-hmm. like being part of the community, you might not see that on a, on a Yelp page, for example, or a Google search, but I suppose yeah. those are the types of questions you could try to ask when you're looking for a good therapist or a good coach or something like that. 
Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the word of mouth thing has been the primary thing that has built my business because yeah. pretty much I work on one runner when they felt great after the session or had a great race and they'll tell someone else. And yeah. it's just because I kind of hang out in the community. I think that it's easier to make that connection. Right. So. Connection in the age of social media. Connection right? in the like age of social golden. media. Yes. So I like, I will fully admit that part of the reason I wanted to do this, this episode for the podcast is uh-huh. purely selfish because, you know, I'm okay. doing more fitness <laughs> stuff now. So I okay. want to include more fitness in the podcast, Sure, sure, sure. but it's a food podcast. So I'm going to like, <laughs> you know, like I, if sure. it was just me, I could talk about this forever because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know any of this stuff. I'm getting like, free knowledge, right? No but I'm going to switch to the food because okay. <laughs> at some point I'm going to have to bring it up. Thinking of the, the various disciplines that you've trained in, so Muay Thai, running, strength training, uh, you're now Jiu-Jitsu, are there any broad differences in how you fuel your body between those? Or do you simply go like, if I'm training, no matter what, this is how I eat. And if I don't train, this is how I eat. Or does it actually vary differently between what you're, the actual, I don't know if modality is the right word, but... Uh, between the different sports Yeah, and the stuff. different disciplines. Yeah, um, I would say... Right now, because I'm not in um, in competitive mode, I'm, I'm training and ho- I hope to be competitive one day in Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not in competitive mode right now, I wouldn't say it varies that much from what I'm usually eating, which is still a very healthy diet to support my training. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, say, when I was running, leading up to races, definitely I would hone in on what it is I was putting into my body when it comes to carbs, protein. Right. Um, but right now it, it really is like, there is a focus on protein after workouts. I have a protein shake. Um, yeah. you know, I try and get in a good amount of B12, vitamin D. I try to get in a good amount of, um, well, red meat is always nice. I will say burgers over and over, <laughs> um, and dark greens. Um, yeah. and I think like throughout the day, my attempt, my goal is to pretty much like start off the day with like protein, vegetables, fruit, have a big lunch, um, you know, something with like protein and grains and at the end have a lighter dinner. But definitely, I guess the main focus would be what happens after a training session is just to get like a protein shake in and leading up. Sometimes I do a pre-workout drink, but for the most part, um, nothing is too focused right now on like diet as it would be in like competition. Okay. So you would say it's mostly whether you're, if you're leading up to a competition where you're not like... It, I, there's it not much variance on the activity itself. Yeah, there's not okay. much variance on the activity okay. itself. You know, I, because I have not yet experienced what it's like to compete or to fight in my Muay Thai or martial arts in general, yeah. I, you know, I am excited to discover that and, you know, understand. Because I've only witnessed so far some of my teammates, what they've gone through when they go through fight camp. And mm-hmm. it's, um, it's remarkable. They have to cut weight. Um, and you know, oh, all those little, classes, right? oh yeah. And all those right. little things that go into it. Um, obviously that's where the focus would, you know, gotcha. would just get even higher. So, right. So yeah. then now, because you're not competing right now, how mm-hmm. do you go about building your nutritional plan? I'm sure there's not like one name for it. Like you're not following a certain diet, right? Yeah, I'm not following a certain so, diet. So how do you how do you build your nutritional plan for like for the everyday? Every day, I attempt the two to three servings of fruit. Okay. I try to do two to three servings of vegetables, preferably steamed. And by serving, um, you mean like the USDA definitely like a handful. Okay. You know, if it's a handful of yeah, fruit yeah, yeah. or a handful of vegetables. You know, I start off the morning with protein, and I get my supplements in: vitamin B twelve, vitamin D. I do, I have experimented with like MCT oil and that actually, I felt really good when I was doing it for like a whole month. Did, did you feel an effect? I, I have it at home did. and I like, 
I never feel I don't know. I, I mean, I, I felt like it was a good, smooth kick. But then I think oh, also because the bottle ran out because my boyfriend used, like, all of it, too. Okay, so. I will say that I, I, I wasn't as hungry because I was, when I was mm-hmm. in intermittent fasting, I would use MCT oils to, like, get me through it to lunch. Okay. And I didn't feel as hungry. Uh, but I never, okay. Maybe I was just, like, expecting this, like, my mind will open up yeah, and yeah, I will yeah. fly, you know? No, I, I, I had a, I would say my energy felt smoother and that was even like when I put it in so I I experimented with like bulletproof coffee as an example and that was that was definitely uh like woof it was fireworks of a coffee uh drink (laughs) but you know the the energy kick was way smoother throughout the day and I didn't have like any crash like if I sometimes I have a crash in the middle of the day if I like have a lot to do and then, then sometimes I forget to like go and balance out with like a good nutritious lunch. Yeah. Um, but you know, that that whole thing like leading up with like MCT oil, I just kinda had a smooth journey with it. So I, gotcha. I definitely have to get back into it. I just haven't gotten around to order ordering another bottle. Do you do you count your not not calories, but like you just said fruit servings, your vegetable servings, but do you say like, Oh, I need to have sixty grams of protein today. Do do you do that? I I don't. I judge it based on, like, with protein intake, I I do, like I mentioned, in the morning, I I try to get one serving of protein in, so, like, eggs, or if I could do, um, if we have, like, leftover red meat or something like that, I would do that, too. Um, But, you know, I I definitely just focus it. I I know, right? (laughs) If I, I guess if I could, I would, but I... I guess that'd be too weird. That would be definitely pushing it. Um, I'll save it for lunch or dinner. Yeah. But it it would be more more like the protein intake I'd be focused on after a workout. So that forty five minute window I give myself, I definitely want to get in like a protein drink. Okay. And how yeah. does this differ from when you were training to compete in like let's say track or running? How did you build your plans for that? Yeah. So leading up to when I was thinking about it was different with the mentality in cross country versus sprinting. I felt, yeah, especially it's hard to gauge. Like I was a sprinter in college in high school. I was doing both cross country and track. So, and also as a teenager, let's just say I did not have any meal plan in my mind at all. (laughs) So we'll skip that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely, I was focused on, Oh, when I was doing long distance running, um, for about, two years I was experimenting with uh, marathon running and yeah. uh, half marathon running and then I was loading up on things like sweet potatoes um carb I was loading. yeah carb loading I was I was doing a lot of um like dark greens and I was I was also trying to focus a lot on red meat because I had, I had a history of being anemic when I was okay. in college um freshman and sophomore year I had um it was pretty bad I I was uh I was told I was anemic and um, I was so fatigued and like feeling depressed and down and I didn't want to work out anymore. Um, and they're like, we could give you a shot of iron. And I was like, nope, because they told me I'd be like super constipated for a while. <laughs> so, and, or you could take, yeah. And then they're like, or you could take horse pills. And I, pill? horse pills, like, you know, they go like horse size pills, the uh, big pills. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We'll scratch that out. Edit that out. Um, <laughs> that, like, it's like horse, like, horse size. No. Horse sized pills. Um, they're they're like you could take these big pills and you know for a month. And I hate taking pills, yeah. so I just um, I really focused on just iron content. Okay. Um, there's I think I was just like throwing everything into it, like pumpkin seeds and um, dark spinach, yeah, like dark green spinach and kale um, and red meat. So, um, but yeah, like how I think your original question was like, how does it vary? Or yeah, so how do you mm-hmm. build your nutrition plans? 
um, when you're actually training for something. Yeah. So I pretty much with running, I was doing in the morning, I was doing like say carb loading. Um, I don't really like doing anything with carbs after like a certain time. 4 PM is kind of like my cutoff. If mm-hmm. I, you know, when it comes to anything, potatoes, um, I, I try not to like do that after cause I feel really heavy afterwards but I feel like I I do I process it way better before then I plan it out where in the morning I get a good balanced breakfast protein carbs lunches grains vegetables um I have fruit in the morning too yeah and then dinner time is like a lighter meal where it's going to be vegetables grains and a little bit of like maybe salmon or something like that okay and do you find that a lot of runners eat like this as well um yes and no I I mean it depends who run who run in a similar fashion as you basically I think yes and no. It, it's hard to say. Some people run to eat, and when they run to eat, it, it's like they just eat everything. Um, uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> hey, why? Right? And I'm not gonna lie. Like I, um, my peers know me as somebody who like takes a huge food bag with me wherever I go because I, I snack in between. What's I in like food bag? Uh, in this food bag. There's uh, what did I have last week? I had. I actually had a lot of fruit. I had oranges. Okay. I had um, bananas and pumpkin seeds. And then on the other hand, I had like I love sharing. Uh, my Filipino side is all about like I want to feed you. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's what happened is I naturally take food with me. But I in in the back of my mind, I'm like I also want to share this with my friends. Okay. So it's like cookies. It's like all the things they would eat, like chocolate and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, things that I also tend to eat too yeah. when I'm in school. Um, student life is it changes your diet a little bit. Yeah, in in the ideal world where I'm not in hardcore student life or student mode and um, training, like if I was just training, it would be a, a more balanced um, approach yeah. each week. But for the most part, I, I maintain a healthy diet throughout the week. It's just like those moments of like being in school. I'm like, oh, everyone has hot chocolate. I want to get hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has cookies from insomnia. I'm going to get cookies from insomnia. Yeah. See, I, I, mean, I guess the reason I ask that is because it's mm-hmm. surprising to me when you describe your diet. Uh, diet as in the noun and not the verb as most people think of the word diet but it's surprising to me because it sounds simple for lack of a better word Mm, simple to understand because you know when when i started out researching this you'd find comments and comments on forums and blogs of like ultra specific like you need to have x number of grams at exactly this time and you know it's very complex which yeah. I think what makes nutrition very intimidating for me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to hear from someone who, who does this professionally that like it doesn't have to be as excelified. It's even a word of like everything. We'll take it. We could right? we could email Miriam Webster or something like that. <laughs> I mean, like you, you guys take this. this? Come on. And that's why I ask if like mm-hmm. other runners do this because if you can have a simple meal plan, mm-hmm. it takes away a lot of that pressure of like, oh, how am I supposed to eat? You know, I'd say, I mean, other runners definitely do this. Right. I, and there's going to sure be there are lots of professional athletes who do this as well. But yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound like everyone does it. Yeah. Not, not everyone does it. And I, you know, I think that it goes in waves for people when it comes down to like, why are you choosing to be very focused on the details of your plate? Right. Like, mm-hmm. why are you counting every single gram or why are you structuring your day to look like this around your food? Um, I think it goes in waves. It depends for me personally, it would be if I'm leading up to a competition, I would most definitely Mm -hmm. spend more time, um, planning out the meal arrangements throughout the week. Um, I, and I think too, that for runners, especially if they have time goals, you know, when it comes to marathons or half marathons, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you obviously have to think about the fuel in between, like when you're training 
like during your training when you're in the actual race itself, like feeling that that takes also a lot of um, thought to what works best for your body, um, especially if, it, if you have time to go on the marathon. Um, so I can't say like in general, I the people um, I've worked with in my massage practice, um, I would say that most of them have given thought to like, how do I feel myself properly? Mm-hmm. And they, they do follow a pretty, um, like a pretty good structured, um, meal plan throughout the week. But then also I, I haven't really, um, myself encountered somebody who's like every single day, like, um, maybe I, you know, I'm a, I take that back. I did meet one person once who, um, you know, they were training for body competition. This person was at a, um, a social event we were at and, yeah. uh, I think, I think she was focused on bodybuilding or something like that, but she was weighing her food. Uh, she a brought a scale. Yeah. yeah. And you know, that totally makes sense if they're, if they're like down to the T in terms of weight, um, and how they look, you know, they, there's going to be, um, that type of focus, but I, I personally have not gotten to that level. Okay. Um, I, I definitely try and keep it where it's very simple, nutritious. Um, and yeah, just overall. You, are you the type who is okay eating the same thing every day? No. <laughs> so, so the other the other um, thing that that sometimes I would see when people are just starting to fitness is the fir- their first meal prep pick. Okay. Like everyone's done this picture on Instagram. It's basically all their Tupperware laid out. Each uh, one of them has yeah, the yeah, same yeah. skinless, boneless chicken breast, mm-hmm. like four spears of as- asparagus, and then some sweet potatoes. And they're like meal prep, and there's like seven of them, right? Yeah. And then the next week, like they get sick of eating that crap, so they're like back. They're they're like yeah. I don't want to do that stuff. So how do you get past the boredom that sometimes people feel like comes with trying to be healthy? You know, I would say, so I did Kettlebell Kitchen. Have you ever tried them? No. It's uh, pretty much, it's the meal prep. Say that like again, kata- Kettlebell Kitchen. Kettlebell Kitchen. Kettlebell yeah. Kitchen. Um, okay. You know, we, we try them for a few weeks at a time where it's like meal prep across the board. They'll do it's actually really tasty dishes. Okay. Um, you know, you name it a good balance of like, Carbs, protein, with var- um, like varying dishes, varying dishes, sure. and they, they do they do a great job. Um, but even then, it it still gets boring. Like no matter how much um, spice you could put on something, and if you eat it day in day out for a week, you're like, okay, that's enough of like the chicken, you know, parmesan and yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. asparagus. Um, I guess it, it really just comes down to being mindful. Like, okay, if I'm getting bored with my food and I'm not inspired to eat it, I'm going to go ahead and switch it up. Because um, I also want to enjoy when I eat. Because if okay. you're not really enjoying what you're eating, I just find that it also detracts from what you're trying to do. It's to like sure. be very mindful of what you're eating, be motivated to eat well. Um, and you kind of want to get into the spirit of it. You know, you're, you're you know, if you're going to eat something and just make sure you're enjoying it as well. So yeah, yeah. there's like balance. Yeah. There's, so. there's balance. So I, I, I honestly, maybe a few times in my life I've done meal prep for a few weeks back to back and stuck to it. But then and the mental part of that it's, is difficult because you know, it, it, like my competition will come and go and then I'm like, okay, good. Thank God. I'm, I can go and like focus on eating food that makes me feel happy right, and right. inspired and all that stuff. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I was dreading when I started working out like a couple of years back, it's like, oh, do I have to do the whole meal mm-hmm. prep thing? I was like, I cannot do that, you know? Yeah, I, I think those people also kind of want to show off that they they had that discipline. Uh, you know, okay. I think I think that people, um, and rightfully so, like if they had the discipline to plan out their meals for that yeah. much in advance, like 
um, you know, one, they're being very cost effective, like kudos to them. They're, they're definitely saving money because they have their meals set. And as you know, in New York city, when you go out there, like Lord, I, I, if I do not plan in advance, I spend a lot of money on just keeping up with, um, what I need to eat after training or mental, uh, mental energy turning down temptation. Cause I know, like, I think for six months last year, I was on like slow carb. Okay. So that in itself was like, oh my gosh, I was turning down rice like during the week. That's tough. Uh, oh man, we you know you like rice is tough. Saturday, to turn down. oh that cheat like, day, right? It was a little bit of cheat day. Take it to another level. Twelve like a.m. till the midnight. It was yeah. like cake followed by ice cream. It was just a bad situation. But I think you know, I, I I think it's like one of the other misconceptions that I that I think of when it comes to like fitness. Right? I think not everyone has to follow the, the Tupperware. Mm-hmm approach um yeah and if, if ever you get around to it that's awesome too i just right. i find um green personally I, I i don't thrive well with like doing that for you know a good amount of time because i i just really love food and how it tastes you gotta and do, you. Gotta you gotta do gotta, gotta do, do me exactly are, are there other misconceptions around nutrition as it relates to working out you know um i'd say i mean we touched upon well those misconceptions around self-care beforehand um i think I, I think a story would be where a client of mine, when it came down to weight loss, I, I honestly think there's still that misconception where you refrain from eating while you're working out. Like and eat less. Eat less, yeah. Like okay. work out hard, maybe have a little bit of fruit and like just don't get any calories in throughout the day and okay. drink a lot of water, um, hopefully. But I think that there's still this idea somehow in this age of knowledge, like you know, there's so much out there now to say why that's not a good idea, um, that, you know, people would work out and just not replenish themselves and that sometimes can backfire and, you know, you're not repairing as fast as you could from a workout. Um, you may find yourself to have lower energy, not be as motivated to work out. Um, and you might even, like, it's stress on the body that, that leads to a lot of stress on the body, on the system. Um, and sometimes too, you might find like, I'm trying to think of triathletes as an example. Sometimes, and there's a few articles online, they go over how triathletes sometimes even gain weight when they're doing all that training. I mean, it's constant stress on the body, and they're, um, it, the way that they're handling all of that training, sometimes like the body is kind of going in reverse to yeah, protect. Yeah, because I heard it goes into like, and, starvation mode. Or, or yeah, it's, it's, it's like if you're, if you're in a famine, um, the body's like, yeah, oh, you know, on. like, hold on, like, keep the fat, like, you know, keep all the resources because we don't want you to die. Um, that, that really is how I see some of those athletes. Like they, they don't understand, like there has to be that balancing act of, um, making sure you're maintaining a balance in your workouts as well as your meal plan. Um, you know, so it can't be all the way, like eat all the food and it can't be like refrain, like from eating all the food. And I don't, I don't think there's one magic diet right there's like not one yeah. holy diet so yeah. if if someone were from any walk of life were to design their own nutritional program what are like two or three questions that they should first ask themselves before they because I, I think there's plenty of links out there there's so many diets there's Atkins, South Beach whatever yeah and anyone can go down the rabbit hole of googling this stuff but before they should even do that are there like two or three questions that someone should first ask himself or herself um before they design a plan for themselves um I guess that's a great question. I recommend they first ask themselves like what their lifestyle is like and where, like what are their habits around food? Do they grocery shop? Do they order in a lot? Um, 
are they kind of like sometimes where I find myself on the go and I just eat out all the time and when I don't have time to meal prep. Um, I'd ask myself first the question about lifestyle and where does food fit in currently. Um, And then from there start to maybe keep a food diary before making a, before asking the question like which, which way should I go? Like keep a food diary, like what are they currently doing and what makes them feel good and what makes them feel Mm. bad. Um, and then I think I, I really like focusing on the psychology of things. I, well, I guess I, I don't know. I did psychology at Columbia yeah, and then also great. I just, I just love psychology. Yeah. Um, but I think that a person should really kind of tap into that, um, mentality, like the reason why they're choosing to, um, get onto, like if they want to do a diet or they want to start structuring their meals, um, and find out what fits best into their day. Um, what, like say in the morning time, if that person has three kids and they're like a triathlete, um, what makes the most sense? Should they freeze their food for the week ahead? And, you know, should they, uh, go and, um, have everything ready the night before, like, I don't know, soaking oats or things like that that Mm -hmm. are healthy. I guess it's just, that was a thing. It was like lifestyle questions. Um, and then when it comes to like the specifics, like, I don't know that everything, everyone's different. Like there's so many things out there for, you should have more of this, you know, um, like have more spinach or have more, I don't know, throw more black sesame seeds onto your dishes. There's just so many different ways to go about it. And yeah. each person is different from where, the, what they're needing. Like if they have a vitamin B12 deficiency, if they need more iron, um, those things I also take into consideration if a person's asking about like, what should I do? But yeah, the, the one or two questions I think of it, like, if this hopefully answers what um, you're going for, it's like to ask about their lifestyle um, and then also to ask about the why and like what makes them feel good and what makes them feel bad and then start getting specific about it to go from there. Yeah, it just sounds like it needs a lot more self-awareness before you can start prescribing. Yeah, I... I There's a lot more pre-work than I think we, we give credit to. I think, yeah, I think that the pre-work is hands down the foundations of what allows a person or helps a person succeed in mm-hmm. any diet or um, meal plan. I think that the food uh, diary, hands down, like one or two weeks, if you could just take a uh, inventory of what you're doing already and what you have and then, then sit down and say, okay, this is what happened when I was stressed, when I was relaxed, when mm-hmm. I was... Uh, I travel a lot for work. So what did I do when I was traveling for work? You should know about all that first before you start saying I should get on like, I don't know, is Atkins diet still around I or know. I don't, it shouldn't be. But I do know that, you know, a lot of people, it's still one of the, it's a, it has a lot of um, Google results is people will sometimes say, how many calories should I eat? You know what I mean? Like they jump straight yeah. to the prescription rather than, and like I've, I've gotten, I've done that too. It's like how many, how many grams of protein should I eat per kilogram of, of, lean body mass rather yeah. than like what am I how am I even living now yeah or where yeah um I'm gonna do a sideways story really quick here yeah. just as an example when I train uh clients for running first and foremost I like to know about their lifestyle and say I had a client who's in a super stressful lifestyle like they are in school and they're also traveling a lot and mm. they want to run two marathons in the year and they're also just I don't know they're just stressed yeah. and yeah um their history, I like to know the history of their injuries because that tells me too, like, oh, you want to go ahead and up your mileage to fit kind of like this universal plan of like, have this number of miles in this week yeah. and, you know, right before the race. It, I like to know those things first because that also helps me prepare for like, okay, this person 
is most likely going to be traveling these weeks, super stressed out. Can they manage this number of days with this mileage or should we modify it and find a way where they're still getting stronger? They're still um, getting adequate mileage in to, <laughs> yeah. to get ready for the race, um, but they're not going uh, forward towards like a possible injury. And they're also not taking away mm-hmm. from their training experience and getting totally run down. Um, so that's a balancing act I'm able to achieve only if I know like where are they coming from so I think yeah. that could be applied to food as well and those those are the first questions I would recommend a person to ask like where are they at um in their lifestyle and then what you know keep a food journal and what makes them feel good what makes them feel bad um and go from there well it sounds like to me it's it's, it's a lot more forgiving and flexible than we make fitness and diet or well diet moves into fitness to be where it's like mm-hmm. you, you don't have to like, there's not one thing Oh, I yeah. see plenty of arguments. There's tons of arguments on YouTube, yeah. on everywhere. And I'm like, you know, me not knowing anything, I'm like, okay, well, who should I listen to? Yeah. When, when it sounds like what you're saying is you should really first listen to yourself and what you're probably doing. I like, you like yeah, that? I you like how you said that. Yeah, that's great. Um, I whatever, kid. So thank you. Um, have you ever heard of John Berardi, Precision Nutrition? Have no. you ever followed him? I think, like, if there's any one person I love to follow their blogs or you know mm. see any of the articles that they put out um, I think that they're a really good organization because they do try and simplify mm. um, all the things around food like obviously they're going to get into specifics um, I mean yeah, yeah that's needed for the people who like geek out over it totally totally yeah. but they also try and find a way to make it very um, basic but also encourage them to take a look at themselves mm. like where are they at in their lives like they even I think one of the articles I love is they they put something out on like bowel movements and it just <laughs> you know it's one of those yeah. things like as an acupuncturist I could appreciate that because yeah. we ask about bowel movements to kind of help determine a diagnosis for that person yeah. um, it tells a lot about how the body is functioning internally um, and so when they put that out, I was like, that's awesome because then it gets people questioning like, oh, you I never know, about I, that. right. Like, you know, it, you start questioning like, oh, well, my bowel, you know, to get a little TMI, it's like my bowel movements have been very loose and I go so yeah. frequently throughout the day. Do you really think that there's like a cookie cutter diet meant for you out there? If you really sure. want to be truly healthy and like balanced and exactly like you want to think about that stuff. And so that's why I think the lifestyle questions I think that the food journals are, like, super important before diving into something. Like, anyone could give a general overview. Like, me, I think I gave a simple meal plan idea throughout the day. Um, but then for any person, I, I think it's self-awareness, as you put it, yeah. um, to really start questioning, like, what's going on and then make decisions from there. Work with, like, a nutritional coach if it, you know, gets a little overwhelming. Um, definitely, yeah, those those are good things to ask. Before. I remember my my roommate used to have this book in the bathroom that was called, like, The Little Book of Poop. So many different types. It's very meta, right? When yeah, you're like yeah, yeah. in the bathroom using it, reading mm-hmm. about what you're doing in your yeah. life. This is a very meta moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on something about grocery shopping and lifestyle a while ago. And, and I wonder what your take on this because it's a total opinion question. But mm-hmm. can one achieve health or is, is health a luxury? Because one of the things that That's I talk to is like, Okay, like, for example, I'll tell a friend of mine, hey, you know, you should really use grass-fed meat or mm-hmm. grass-fed butter. You know, like, man, that's some that's bougie shit. Like, I don't got money for that, mm-hmm. you know, or, or who can afford therapy mm-hmm. even at once a month? Like, is health in today's age simply a luxury? I would want to argue it should never be. Um, and But or pretty much 
think I can understand I why. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what your take on it is. I, I whether believe, you think it is. I believe that the mindset is that yes, health is a luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I want to fight like hell to make sure it, mm-hmm. it never really is. Like everyone should have access to health, health resources. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of some stuff I'm working on right now in terms of like when I start practicing acupuncture, it's mm-hmm. how to make acupuncture accessible and affordable for people. Um, cause everyone deserves to have something in their lives like mm-hmm. food or therapy or something. Um, so yeah, I would say the mindset is definitely I, how people view people that going and getting those green smoothies that are $11 and you know, those beet shots that are $5. Yeah. Like that definitely comes across to me as I can understand why people see health as a luxury. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm even thinking of it as like from the basics, like even in the Philippines, right? Like the best mangoes that are the most nutritious, best mangoes are rice that's grown in the Philippines mm-hmm. is actually not consumed in the Philippines. It's actually shipped out. So our best mangoes and our best rice goes to like let's say China or um, whoever has the money, or, or like that. quinoa. Quinoa in Latin America, you know, is not yeah. consumed there. Okay. Or cocoa beans. God, that's so sad. You know what I mean? That's like there was a video that like really touched me because there's these cocoa farmers I think in Africa who are growing the stuff, and they have never tasted chocolate. Oh my god. I mean, it's like they have the the source ingredients, right? Yeah. So finally, one of the producers, I guess, came back and was like, "This is actually where your cocoa beans go," and they never tasted chocolate, right? So they're like, "This becomes that." Wow. And, then, and you know, obviously, they didn't tell them that this stuff retails for twenty dollars or something. Yeah. And so that's why I wonder: is there a way to be healthy without it being a function of money? And I'm sure that's like a. a debatable point that we could go down I'm sure yeah that's that's definitely a a long conversation to be had to brainstorm like you know is there a way um from like um I guess I'm trying to approach it where I know of many of my friends like they have involved themselves in organizations that Mm -hmm. are attempting to um go and solve the problem of food deserts right like we have food deserts in this city um there are food deserts and I don't know when I was I biked through the Midwest in 2010, and it, it struck me that wherever we went, like, there's all these farms, all this food, and, like, the restaurant we went to had barely any choices in terms yeah. of, like, salad or any healthy Same items at all, and I was like, what? You know, and there's yeah. all these farms, and, you know, I knew, I was, like, seeing produce passing by us and, like, crates, and I, I was like, how does this restaurant not have anything? Right. It's just very ironic. Um, but I think, you know, is there a way to address it i like that's just there's so many different avenues you can take with that question of like how to do it i think if it were to work off of say an average new yorker who's trying to save money and just somehow get by like if say say they're going paycheck to paycheck Mm -hmm. and health is not their like going and getting a massage session or Mm -hmm. going and buying organic is not something like a gym membership yeah like if that's not something in their budget i would say one of the Maybe one of the best ways to approach if, say, they go grocery shopping is to stick. I, I try to stay to the outside of the grocery store where mm-hmm. all the produce is, where all the dairy is, um, to avoid going kind of in the center because that's where all the preserved food is, like all the sweet stuff, all the cereal. The stuff that needs and, to be marketed. Yeah, all the yeah. stuff that's easy for kids to grab on the yeah. bottom shelf. Uh, you know, it's just I, I try my best to, like, stay to the outside because that's where most of the – you know, the stuff that has nutritional value, that's where mm-hmm. most of them are. And so I, I would recommend like that would be a good way to approach kind of trying to stay healthy when it comes to food. And yeah, I think also who knows like what the future holds for 
affordable and accessible healthcare. It's hopefully changing. <laughs> Sorry, I know. <laughs> one of it's the, changing. I, I, I'm just going to bring it up as a segue, but one of the mm-hmm. interesting things I read, I follow this um, newsletter called, like, I forgot what it's New Food Economy. Mm-hmm. They were talking about one of the uh, side effects of uh, Affordable Care Act, if they repeal it, is that one of the side effects is that restaurants no longer have to, you know how they, right now they're required to put the calorie count? Yes. It's actually attached to Affordable Care Act. So it's repealed, they no longer have to put oh, that. Oh, God. Okay. So, you brought, listen, you brought it up. So Yeah, I'm yeah, just, yeah. That's on <laughs> Let's, you. We, we don't have to go too far down there. Um, it's, we're all political doubt or <laughs> politics doubt. Politics doubt. Politics doubt, yes. You're listening to Hidden Apron Radio, produced by myself, Paolo Española, and Ricky Ho. Just two ordinary guys trying to break bread and break boundaries. Thoughts, musings, ever just wanted to rant at us? Do let us know at hiddenapron at gmail.com or at hidden underscore apron on both Twitter and Instagram. Back to the show. He asked a question about... um food or eating healthy or living a healthy lifestyle is a luxury yeah. and i think we talked about it uh a little while yeah. ago in terms of like mindset i i i truly feel that um you know because i've been a trainer for a while and a physical therapist for yeah. some time i i do think it's about priorities about the person so whatever they prioritize with their day-to-day their week-to-week month-to-month year-to-year uh in terms of where they spend their money and um, what they wanna what they wanna do with it versus whether or not if it's affordable or not affordable. Um, so if, if someone's aware, like, all right, well, I, my goal is to either get myself healthier, or lose weight, or mm-hmm. get over this injury, then uh, you have to kind of shift over to that if they truly want to do it and they wanted to put their time and energy to it. Of course, their money. Versus I do want to do it, but I'm not really ready to do it because I still have these other things that I want to do, but they're not really contributing well to my health for now. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of look at the, the longer picture, basically. Right. And and so, you know, it, it might come down to a level of convenience. It might come down to a level of comfort, whatever it is. It's it's something that they might have to step out of that and then go down that path yeah, and yeah, yeah. start to learn a whole new set of things that will change what their general mindset is of their daily living and then they they're learning all right my priorities are here uh not over here it's like you know that um that the philosophy about cleaning out your apartment the things you absolutely need Marie and, Kondo. yeah oh yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 does it bring you joy right does it bring you yeah, joy? yeah 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 so something like that is so hard like and if you look around this apartment it's you can <laughs> you i could easily like give you a reason that I want to keep everything, but yeah. it's not true. It's just something <laughs> that I feel deep down that I, I want to have in the apartment. I don't use most of the stuff that's in those cabinets every day. Like, I, and I will say, because obviously people can't see what you're pointing at, like right. a very compact apartment. So if you <laughs> yeah. say that, you don't even use it. it. Truly means like, man, you've got this down to like <laughs> bare essentials, right? So I mean, something like that, and it's hard. It, you know, I, I I'll never forget my first experience with actually paying attention to my nutrition was in 2002 and I was just starting as personal trainer at Equinox and I was in the break room with a bunch of other trainers and there was one trainer there who was huge into the nutrition 
And I don't know if I was pouring myself some milk or I had milk or something like that, but he made a comment how milk is not the best source of calcium and it's actually really bad for you. And I was in complete shock. I thought about it for weeks. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> okay. And I'm going to talk to my parents about it. And they're like, I don't know what he's talking about. And, you know, you're, you're brought up in this idea. You watch commercials. Your, your parents tell you milk is good for you. Uh, everybody tells you milk is good for you. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's not. So something like that, then it started to change. Well, why is it bad for you? Or why is it not good for you? Then you look into it. And then that starts to trickle down to other things. Like a blue pill, red pill. Yeah, exactly. You start to, then you start to go down the rabbit hole. And, and, yeah. and then other things start to come into light. Like, all right, why am I spending money here? Versus where I could just do this, prepare my food, or buy just this. And that will last me for three days instead of one day or a couple of hours. Mm. So, um, and then I, I had that experience through PT school because I was working and in school and I was trying to manage and I, w I was living on my own. I was trying to manage my finances and be, be able to eat healthy. And unfortunately, I only was able to make certain choices, but I kept up as much as I could with healthy eating. Yeah. And I knew it was, it was a short term. It was only three years. It's all I had to do. And then as soon as I got out, I made a promise to myself, I'm going to continue on and, and and make better food choices and then i have the finances to do so so i did what i could with the finances that i had during pt school and then was able to expand on it when i could yeah i like that like look like you don't have to get every single lever switched on right now right yeah because right? i think that's the one thing that helped was like last year i was just focusing on just getting to the gym mm -hmm. just making that regular and then it became okay now that that's regular i can look at the diet and now like just telling you sound like yesterday was day one. I'm actually now working with a coach. It's like all of this didn't happen over like, I gotta get it done in one month, you know? Okay. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. 80-20 rule, question for both of you. Mm. Are there like three to five routines or habits that if everyone today just focused on doing, we'd be like a healthier society? Uh, I should not, oh wait, I should take that back. Not society, I should say world because I don't want to mean like American society, but are there three to five habits that no matter who you are, what you are doing? you did this i can narrow it down 80 20 down i guess if i were to come up with three it would be meditation oh wow i'm surprised okay really oh i thought you were gonna say something like drink a glass of wine or something uh, I, I no, oh is it on food or anything, anything. anything? oh okay anything. uh I'm meditation okay. do i have to expand on it or can i just like no. go and no. nope i don't have to okay i don't know just connection understanding your Understanding those who are close to you and staying connected with them is okay. very important so that the world will be a better place. And then uh, I guess finally just understanding yourself, self-awareness, like your body. Well, I guess meditation can help you with that. I totally yeah. screwed up that question. I'm so sorry. It's like no, three no. things. So. I, was, I, was, I think <laughs> much I was better first. Right answer number one, though. Do you, you have a different list? Uh, yeah, somewhat list? different. <laughs> okay. uh, be more active regularly so whatever that activity is at least do it many times a week I'm, i wouldn't say like it has to be done five days a week three days a week just something every week that you're doing it's, it's the regularity that matters exactly cumulative okay. effect over time is super important and it and it might surprise people when they start doing something once a week it's going to turn into twice and then it's going to turn yeah. into two times drink more water and I'm not going to give oh, parameters. you got that from on... I know. <laughs> so. I, I, I disagree with the whole like eight glasses of water thing because it's been debunked and yeah. all these other things. But just drink more water in general. If you have more water during the day, you're going to find out what your body needs in terms of hydration. Sure. Uh, reward yourself regularly. Reward yourself in the sense that, for instance, having one day, people call it a cheat day. I think yeah. call it a reward day 
one day during the week. If you do your what you lay out during the week in terms of activity, activity, diet, your own work, your family time, then reward yourself at least once a week. Okay. Um, and then finally spend time with your you family. Four? Yeah, he said three, <laughs> three to five. I, oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> I was like, no, you take all the ones. That was a, that was a good one though, because you you mentioned about um, rewarding yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. which leads into perfectly in my next question. Favorite foods post race or like reward yeah. foods? <laughs> did what? I say burger? You did. Yeah, I you did. did. But that was on sound check, so <laughs> <laughs> so I deleted it. So okay, uh, burger okay. fries. You said specific any specific burger, or it doesn't matter. Uh, I would have to have blue cheese on it and bacon, and would have to have pickles and side of mayonnaise for the fries. Ketchup or no? No. Damn, you gave that look like, like, I don't know why. Okay, I hear with that. Okay, how about the flip side? Uh, uh-huh. On bad day or slash recovery foods, mm-hmm. what would it be? Hard foods. Recovery foods. You're like feeling crappy and you're like, man, forget the world. What would you eat? Oh, God, Ben and Jerry's? Or Jerry's. Wait, is this recovery foods like healthy? Are you or? asking a question? Was it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking you, is it Ben and Jerry's? It would be ice cream. Any okay. specific kind? Um, I've been on a Ben and Jerry's kick for some time. What do we have? The Chunky Monkey? Or Ooh, we have... Oh, yeah. It's, it's, what do we have right now? Uh, I don't know. We have so like you're two not like or a, three. You're not loyal to like a certain flavor. I'm not like loyal. Salted caramel doesn't matter what brand. No, okay. I kind of go as, as long as it's ice cream and things like that. Okay. Out. Yeah. What's up? So this is more of a personal question, but like, because I've obviously seen this on your Instagram. Like, what, yo, what's up with the coffee? Oh, man. What's up with I... that? <laughs> like, have There's... your poster about coffee. Like, where did that come from? I want to say living in New York for this long, it just, I don't know, my blood is made out of coffee now. There's like a coffee <laughs> shop on every corner. Okay. Um, but I think it's also, I think it helps me connect to a lot of people because okay. I find that I, you know, part of my success for my massage practice, mm-hmm. just through the act of getting coffee with people, as you know, like when you're trying to build a business or you're trying to like just get to let people know what you're doing exactly it's like it's coffee and I think um that whole like when I first started learning how to network and tell people about what I do I was like coffee here coffee there coffee everywhere and then honestly it just became this whole like I love coffee I love meeting people over coffee I love drinking coffee we have a coffee routine every night (laughs) And At it has night? to be, yeah, we have to get it we done perfectly. Exactly. It's part of the coffee routine. We he have to make it at night. night. Well, I'm leading him into the, like, <laughs> we're going to drink this well-made coffee. The next day? The next day. The next day. Wait, The okay. whole process, like, at night. This is great. What is he, this process? He taught me no, a lot about routine. It's just grinding. It's just grinding. Grind. I know, but it's, but if it's not done you according. You like you have, like, a, a little, like, Tibetan no. gong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have this look at, like, did you make the coffee? Yeah. It's really, like, making the coffee at night and, was it 12 okay. scoops or so? We'd. Just yeah. okay, okay. Long, you, I never you, had you're a routine. sounding less crazy. Fine. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm gonna say like right, right before I go to bed, it's three scoops of protein powder, uh-huh. water, one cup of milk, two scoops of peanut butter. Yeah, we and got numbers. Routine. We have then, numbers. Yeah. Then, but, okay, because you see, you I made it sound like you're lighting incense. I mean, we could, <laughs> we could but no, it, it, it. Um, I think coffee, all in all, I just, I find it makes people laugh because we could all relate to yes. it. Okay. Um, I find that it's a great conversation starter. If ever someone like you're like, you ever want to grab a coffee sometime? Great yeah. way to connect with that person. Um, and yeah, just in general, I don't know. There's just so many great coffee places in New York City, so I, I like to just celebrate public, coffee. Right? 
It is. And people send me coffee. I don't know how I became coffee girl, but you I do know. I am coffee okay. girl. I know. I, I post a lot about coffee, and so people send me coffee memes left and right and bring me coffee. It's perfect, okay. actually. I, I win because I get free coffee. <laughs> so for people that don't know like what I'm talking about, just check the Instagram. I'll post it in the show notes. That inspires sense. me to go and post something about coffee tomorrow. I think I might do that. It's been like It's a not week. like you weren't going to. I know. Well, I, I, it's been about a week, so I'm going to definitely do it. <laughs> so. Um... There was an interview I saw you at that you mentioned uh, you were part Filipino and you ate like one too. Uh-huh. What is your favorite <laughs> Filipino that. food that is training friendly? Um, lumpia. Okay. Any specific is that, type? Would that be counting as tra- training friendly though? If you think it is, it is. Sure. Pretty. Chicken adobo is training friendly, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah Chicken adobo. Yeah. Protein. Got that vinegar. But Hands lumpia, down. any kind of specific kind? I I would stick fried with fried or fresh. It's fried, yeah. Pork or vegetable. It would be ground Pork beef. Ground beef. Yeah. Did you not have ground nah. beef? My mom made it with ground beef. Mine was time. chicken and raisins. Interesting. Talk to my mom, man. She didn't want to use oh. any of the city gun package. She didn't want to use salt. Oh wow! Then it's, it's very, really fresh. It's and... a very healthy household. Wow. You can say we were deprived. Sorry, ma. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find, because you went to the Philippines, um, did you find any specific challenges maintaining your diet there? I would say yes and no. I honestly had... You competed over there too, right? I did. And I was fortunate to be staying at places. Like I stayed in hotels, like really good rates I found um, with really great buffets in the morning and at night. Um, with really healthy food. So I, I made sure to stay close to places I knew would have kind of a closer to home feel and also um, would have, like, I knew what they would be serving in the morning and in the evening. Um, mm-hmm. So that was good. Um, I would say it was only when I was, like, maybe traveling further out from the cities and we went to the actual competition um, that they had. Yeah, there's there some um, tough moments there to, like, get – like if it was a lot of fried stuff and yeah. you know it, and a lot of rice. chips and rice and um hard to find it was hard to find greens i think at the end of the day it was hard to yeah. find greens um could not find I really like anything so even though we're like one of the most biodiverse nations right yeah that's a good point because i think there's a lot like i have a lot of friends who are like consultants or they travel a lot mm-hmm. is are there any general tips you would give for people who don't have like a regular schedule so either they're traveling a lot mm-hmm. or they have crazy schedules like, I don't know, like a bartender would you know, or they're working odd hours. Are there any tips, general tips for that? I'd say, I mean, definitely for the person that's traveling a lot. I mean, it's very hard to say that you're in the middle of nowhere and you order a salad and yeah. their version of a salad will kind of lack or have too much of something that you're like, I don't think that's like making it a healthy yeah. salad. Um, but trying to be that one person that's at the table customizing your order. I'm sure you'll come gotcha. across as like a snob in some ways, but it's totally uh, possible, I find, to just stick to the basics of soup, salad, um, try and get a protein somewhere, you know, at a restaurant mm-hmm. um, if you want to be safe when you're eating out while traveling. Um, while you're traveling, I mean, snacks, if you could carry bags of snacks, I find that helps me where, like saying a say is a block of um, pumpkin seeds or granola, something you could always have with you in the event it's sure. a pretty desperate situation. Um, just carry bags of snacks with you. Um, and yeah, just kind of hold on tight. Find, <laughs> find, <laughs> find the best places um, you can and stick to produce and yeah. um, things that are very simple. Stick to basics. Yeah, I ask these questions because I'm trying to take out as many of the excuses that 
even I've told myself before, mm-hmm. right, of like why I wouldn't eat healthier, or why I wouldn't look after myself. I'll be like, oh, because I'm just traveling. Like, as if that's an excuse or something. Yeah, I, and I, I totally get that. Like, I, too, when I travel, it, it was like, oh, well, you know, there's, like, downstairs is this amazing, you know, shop with all this fried chicken. Yes, like, I'm, I'm there. I'm almost relieved. And... I'm almost like, oh, guess I can't it can, Yeah, yeah, No, it happens to all of us. Um, but I think that if a person really was like, this has, you know, this, I want to be healthy on this trip, yeah. um, sticking to the basics, finding a grocery store is the best way, I find, to eat healthy on the go. Sure. Um, so, if anything... The restaurants, if they're not serving the type of food that you usually would eat, go find a grocery store and carry back some of the basic food with you, uh, basic food with you, like produce or okay. things like that. Um, cool. Was, I think there was like a second part to that question, but. Uh, no, you got it. Cool. Most people would like weird schedules, but I think it would still apply. Okay. You know, especially Sweet. if you're traveling, it's also going to be disrupt your schedule. Yeah. So, uh, I did want to wrap up and I, I. This is not going to be a short wrap-up, because I, I left all the <laughs> philosophical stuff towards the end. Ah, uh, okay. Right, which is why I skipped the origin story. With regards to running, or any anything regard, uh, related to fitness, um, what were your proudest moments? And why, why are they? So, the ones that come to mind immediately, it would be in high school at the San Jacinto Invitational. Um, What what was this, like a meet? This is a high school track meet, and I was running, I went to Valley View High School, and I was running um, in the final 300 meter hurdle race with these uh, North High School girls who pretty much are top in the nation hurdlers. And so, you know, we're in the final event, Um, it's really hot outside, and at that moment, I had yet to like really do anything significant in hurdles. I was training for it, I was getting some good times. Probably is um, yeah, probably about two years okay. up to that point, um, and it, it you know it was definitely I was getting good and you know starting to get recognition, um, but I was in this heat with like these top top in the nation ladies, and um, they're I'll never forget it was kind of a the whole event they were announcing it only about these these ladies and no one else really got recognition. You know, when they make the lane announcements, they're like, yeah, in yeah, lane yeah. one, yeah, yeah. in lane two. Um, they kind of just talked about them and didn't recognize the other ladies. Okay. And it was like one of those, I was already kind of pissed because there was this tension between us already because we were like rival high schools and they are really mean to me then. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, well, fine. I'm like small, half Filipino lady and yeah. they're like half tall hurdlers. So... Pretty much the announcer was like, all right, this is going to be a great race, everyone. And I was like super pissed off. Yeah. And I was like, yes, it is. And then it was just like, <laughs> like going off. And then I like was in the zone. Like yeah. I, I would say that was probably, probably the most I've ever was in the zone as an athlete. Wow. I just kind of like when I look back, I don't recall the first stretch. I just went and I attacked the hurdles um, with an aggression I never knew I had. Yeah. Um, and it came down like very close at the end with actually, um, another girl from another high school, not North high school, but what happened on the 200 meter mark, I passed the girl that pretty much was supposed to win the whole entire thing. Yeah. And I just saw out of the corner of my eye, she like was startled or something and she changed her stride to like try and catch. And then she fell over the hurdle and that was that I won that race. And because of that race, I was, um, I got recognized around the nation and that's how I got recruited for college. And that's what led to this whole positive, like, I don't know, domino effect of being able to use running as a way to like kind of make progress in life and find like opportunity. Um, But that was that one race that stuck with me forever because that was a game changer right there. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Dang. That's crazy. In the zone. One thing that I found when I was doing my, there's no other better way to put it, when I do my, like, Google stalking before these podcasts, like, mm. I Google stalk everyone. Like, I'll have, I like, was like, you know 20, these things. <laughs> I'll have, like, 20 tabs open. That's um, good. One of the cool things that I found was when you were a part of Run Anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So for, for those who don't know, quick background, what, what happened? What was it? What was Run Anyway? Well, um, as we, for those of us in New York who were here in 2012, Hurricane Sandy hit and um, everything, obviously there's a lot of craziness on, you know, downtown. I remember how it was like blackout yeah. only yeah. in the 30s and below. And Oh yeah, so you obviously yeah, had that. There is that whole controversy around the New York City Marathon mm-hmm. and whether or not it should go on or be canceled because it was really weird to think like, at the starting line, there was generators and, you know, the runners were there and people had no food or, or like, had no power, had, you know, mm-hmm. damage to their houses. It was hard to think of a, such a, a celebrated event to go on um, in light of the disaster. So ultimately, they, they did cancel the race and um, it was kind of like down to the wire when they canceled it. So everyone was kind of already here that flew in from, you know, all other countries, right. came in from all around the country to come to the city and get ready for the race. And so what happened was kind of this whole, I think people were first shocked and a little resentful. Um, But then I'll never forget, I um, wanted to do something and like to, you know, raise funds or just like get out there and say, okay, we'll use the moment to at least um, go and help raise funds for the hurricane victims. And so I was connected to a group, it was a very small group at that moment, of people in New Jersey who were like, hey, we're just going to run anyway, and like, can you help yeah. us get connected to some of your running uh, buddies and like spread the word? And I was like, oh, totally. And then it just kind of like went from there where I like, I'm impulsive. So when I see something and I'm like, this is a good idea, like I want to run with this, I like, I did not sleep that night. I stayed online. I was shooting messages left and right. Somehow I created like a volunteer page and I got people onto that. And then we got this like official thing going where we're like, all right, guys, we're going to meet here. You know, we're going to go ahead and have trucks here if you're bringing donations. And like all these things just kind of fell into place. And it was just, it started to like grow. It became like kind of viral, as you would say, in the running community, like show up at this time and like, let's have a marathon anyway. And then the morning of, I'll never forget, like, I was like, I didn't sleep. So I was just like, all right, okay, we're going to, like, we're going to run this race. And people, people are going to show, they said on Facebook. Um, and just, like, so many people coming in. And I, we were just, I guess we were just, like, overwhelmed and surprised. Like, there was just so much good energy. So many people were, like, donating things. And, like, at first we had the, uh, you know, the NYPD come up and say, you can't be doing it. Like, you can't do this. Yeah, was, I saw a picture of that. Yeah, yeah, They were like, you had to leave. And it was, it was, a, it was a, tense kind of standoff but then you know and talking about this whole thing and like saying hey we're all here we're like trying to just contribute to a good cause um like slowly but surely they kind of just let us be and then you know because they in terms of crowd control they're like okay you can only have it as long as you start setting them off now like just do it now so that it wasn't like a crowd control issue yeah um so funny my friend from jack rabbit sang the national anthem we had like everything official as you would say for a race yeah, and yeah, then yeah. um we just set them off. And, um, yeah, this this team and I, we pretty much were, like, recognized after that. Like, the media um, used our, our uh, as we say, the tagline to kind of just Run title the event. Exactly. And the whole park was, like, this amazing wave of humanity, like, just running anyway. And it was it was pretty neat. I, I'll never forget that either. It was a yeah. – everything kind of fell into place at the right place, right time. I wish because I – 
I moved to New York like a couple weeks before Sandy hit. Uh, so okay. I didn't even have furniture. I had to walk wow. up, like from East Village to Forty Second to like recharge my laptop just so I have light. Yeah. Had I known, I wish I could have just like run. Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I was yeah. like, dude, I have nothing else to do. Yeah. No power. <laughs> it was something. It was something. So. I, I think that story to me when I was when I was reading about it and then watching some of the videos was like, I've always seen running as, for lack of a better word, like pointless. Mm-hmm. You're just you're moving your feet up and down for 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 what you know. Like I hated running, but hearing those two stories, that one and the one you said about your high school, it's like running is not for the sake of just running. It's because it could be therapy. It's whether you're trying to break a barrier in your own head, whether mm-hmm. it's getting people together who were resentful because they got their race canceled. Right? It's like this is the only political question I'll ask: is <laughs> have you noticed? more desire from fellow athletes to kind of do stuff like that, whether it's hold events or hold space or do more of these competitions in response to what's going on today? I think so. Have you noticed? I, I've noticed and, you know, aside from seeing stuff on social media, yeah. um, I think I've noticed just this uh, uptick in people wanting to get involved in things and also to get their energy out some way, somehow, like running yeah doing martial arts like I've had a few uh friends uh female friends reach out to me and ask hey so you know can I try out Muay Thai I want to learn self-defense because um you know in this day and age unfortunately like there's um a lot of the hate crimes going on and you know unnecessary acts of violence it's just like a very uncertain time so I've definitely seen people's interests um spike for getting involved in things like sports um either to kind of find a way to release all this Mm -hmm. pent-up energy to learn how to protect themselves. You know, there's just so many things that have kind of shifted a little bit. But I also have seen it used as a way to get a message across. And, you know, it's like... um, I love the example that Harlem Run, if you've ever heard about them, um, I'll send you a link. I love the example that one of the uh, leaders of Harlem Run has set um, when Planned Parenthood, the funds... They were talking about uh, cutting the funding... um, um, she and a few other ladies sprung into action and used running as a means to raise funds for Planned Parenthood. So they ran from here to D.C. for the Women's March um, and raised money through that whole campaign. Um, And it was just a way to show, like, hey, we are willing to run for all women to, like, go to D.C. Um, You know, they ran through the night. It's just, like, a very... Um, I'm sure, wow. like, challenging journey for all four of them. Yeah. Um, but that was used to raise awareness. Like, wow, these ladies are hardcore. And, you know, it, it sport was used to um, bring good to the world. Um, and so that's that's definitely something I noticed people becoming more involved in is just finding ways to represent their um, beliefs and to try mm-hmm. and, like, support a community. I think that um, sports is a great way to, that – people have been kind of using to do that. Yeah, yeah. This just reminded me of, have you heard of Mary? I think it's called Mary Can't Get Home or something like that. I've, I've heard of it, but I don't I don't know exactly. It's basically a group of like Palestinian runners Okay. that dressed up as like Mary and Joseph. Uh-huh. And they were like trying to raise awareness of the whole like Israel-Palestine thing. They were like, yeah. if, if Mary were to try to get to Bethlehem today, what would she have to go through? So they ran all the way from, I forgot where, yeah. All the way to like oh, Bethlehem. Wow. And they were like showing how, how many security checkpoints they had to go through. And they were running this like in gear, but also dressed up. Yeah. And I was like, dang, that's, that's like, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm yeah. sure I've heard about people running for causes, but that's like, it just makes that's, it that much more concrete. That's very unique. Yeah. Um, why do you keep running or what? No, I should rephrase that. It's a bad <laughs> question. Cause I, I think 
you stated like, oh, you started running because you wanted to beat the boys. Yes. Right? Okay. So, I mean, I think we can safely say that you've beaten (laughs) a lot of boys and girls today. Why keep going? I think I mentioned to you I ran earlier today and I totally forgot. And it's like breathing. Um, I I think it's really just become a part of my identity. And, you know, there's – I actually wrote – I should send you a link to this – letter I wrote, it was before I left to compete in the Philippines and it was, um, titled, thank you running. I have that link. Got it. Okay. You, you totally stalked me. Wow. Okay. Every person yeah, on this yeah, podcast yeah. has been stalked. Yeah. No, that's where you got the beating the boys on yeah. the blacktop. <laughs> Good one. So I, you know, I think that what I was able to get out, I actually was crying when I wrote that geez, cause it was such a huge lead up into getting ready for this event. And I, I felt that I, before that, I wasn't really like planning on doing any more competitions, high level okay. competitions. Um, but then just making that decision and following through with it and making those sacrifices, sure, I sure, sure, definitely sure. had a lot to say about running. And then, you know, I, I think that why I continue to do it, it just, um, you know, there's just a part of me that my identity is, you know, running is part of my identity. It's how I came to New York. It's how um, I connected with so many of my friends. It's how I was able to discover new communities and like new places. Um, and so in some ways it's just like a connection to the world. Um, and whether or not I'm doing it competitively, whether or not I'm like running for the sake of training or staying healthy, I think I would still continue to run just because it's such a, it's such a great way to stay connected to the world. So I find. I'm going to save the, um, the the other story for another day because I know you also took a break from running, right? Yes, I did. So the story of like, taking the break and how do you keep pushing through that I'm going to save off for another day because I think that's that's going to hold okay then we go into psychology and motivation and all that so yeah for another day it's like a teaser for sure 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 so this is probably my I will say probably my worst closing of a podcast episode because I feel like we left a I left a lot on the table so I will close with something that I usually do with everyone who's on the podcast which is our like a rapid fire okay. rapid fire section so sure. the questions are gonna be very short you can answer them as short or as long as you want mm-hmm. they're generally pretty easy to answer so if you take long it's because the question means something to you cool cool all right person who most influenced from a fitness standpoint darn <laughs> Why? my cross-country coach okay. he pretty much um supported me throughout my whole cross country career in high school and um his dedication to me and the team it's um it's unparalleled for like all the coaches I had he just he just definitely helped me was he your first coach he I would say he was my first coach yeah best sports tool you've ever purchased ever oh the stick roller the what did you did you say best sports tool yeah or the stick roll oh wait that's a recovery tool sorry no 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 that's Um, like sure okay anything related to like fitness or sports that you've bought Stick roller. What? what could, it, it's a self care tool. You just get a massage. Does it look yourself. like one of those like dope rolling pins? Yes, it's great. I but for your body, whatever, for your body, exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if See, I, I like, if I were dough, food. Yeah, if I were dough. Okay. Three ingredients to describe you. Chocolate, caffeine. Oh wait, chocolate, coffee. Okay. And um, peppermint. Okay, so the third one just threw me off. I was like, I already know what she's gonna say, so I'm not even gonna be surprised. But cool. peppermint, why? I love peppermint. I don't know. It give me. I, I think it's also because I did an interview before this yeah. for a person that uh, specializes in essential oils, and when he pulled out the peppermint, I was excited. Okay. So <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like I work with a peppermint specialist. That could be. <laughs> um, 
one book slash documentary or any resource that you think the common person should read, watch, whatever. Like, if you were like, this is the one, you know, you're going to give, like, a resource for people to look at, what would it be? Resource. Way of the Peaceful Warrior, for some reason, came to mind. Way Not for some reason. Way of the Peaceful Warrior. It's By who? Damn it. Uh, is it a book? Sweetie, it's a book. Thank you. Um, I want to say it starts with Brian John uh, Brian Dan Milman. <laughs> Dan, Dan Milman. Milman. I'm terrible so with him. Awesome. I know. <laughs> what What is it about? Quickly. Um, story of a guy who's he's in college at that time, and he comes across like this guru of sorts who's in a um, gasoline station, and okay. through his interaction with this older gentleman, kind of learns the ways of. You know, very zen, um, zen lifestyle of sorts, and it takes on these values that a martial artist, as an example, of what we're learning right now, kind of embodies. So, if I could sum it up, he just goes through a life transformation by meeting this old dude in a gasoline station. I look, I it's pretty neat. Like it's it's like, very kind of like the alchemist <clears throat> with there martial arts. Yes, yeah, so well, he he he's a gymnast in the story, right? And the main character is a gymnast, but yeah. he meets an old man who's a he's a martial artist. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. See, <laughs> this is... <laughs> I love it for a reason, but I can't remember the specifics. So. <laughs> if you were to print... Because I know, like, when people run, you know, like... I, I saw that video of the guy who did Run Anyway where he printed the name of people on his shirt he's running for. Oh, yeah. If you were to print, like, the one-line message of your entire life, if, like, this was the only thing that your life ever said on a racer's bib, what would that line say? Oh, man... <laughs> That... Would it say, oh, man? Oh, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, oh, man, so many times now. I think, you know, the problem with my brain is that there's just so many possibilities, and I, I have trouble narrowing it down. Uh, okay. Oh, God, because there's so many great things. It's yeah. true. I don't I don't think that way. Um, could we, like, pull something off of my Instagram that I had? One of the coffee uh, posts. One of the coffee posts. <laughs> yeah, I guess on a bib. It doesn't have to be, like... Till the end of your life, let's just say. Oh, good flexibility. As of today, um, as of today what was is the one line message? God, I'm just sticking to like my uh, New Year's resolution one, which okay. it's it's really like uh, not a one sentence thing. It's just I said I wanted to do um, to have connection, consistency, and creativity in my life. That's a one line thing. That's okay, big. sure. Well, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. Last. This one. is hard. Last question is purely logistical. Where can people follow your story? Not Instagram story, because I know we were talking about that a while ago. But, yeah. like, where do you mostly play? Instagram, email, Um, I'm playing a lot on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. I have three Instagram handles Whoa. now. I wow. know, right? It's uh, I have AccuTalks, which is the video A-C-C-U. interviews. ACU Talks. Okay. So, pretty much for, like, acupuncturist talks, but sure, AccuTalks. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I have my uh, practice on point sports care okay. on there, and then my own personal Instagram page. E-Song so Smith. the AccuTox is about acupuncture. Yes. On point sports care is massage. Um, it's going to be about my massage practice, soon to be acupuncture and massage. Okay. Whereas AccuTox is. AccuTox is focusing on our profession. I'm really I'm experimenting. I have this new um, love for I guess learning about videography. I want to learn more about it this year, and so it's also a great way for me to. Um, represent our profession and like just show oh, okay. people what's going on like sure. who, who are these acupuncturists and what do they do this is where your interview came in yes yeah so okay. I'm trying to demystify our profession trying to elevate them it's it's all like a work in progress I am still gotcha. designing it but I'm actually very excited to um, share more about it I'm yeah. learning a lot already I've already I probably did like 
two to three interviews so far, awesome. and it's been yeah, faster than me. Uh, I it's it, I was just like, let's go. I'm impulsive, yeah. so I'm just kind of like, let's go and get to them. Um, okay. it's been really fun. I'll grab um websites from you too, because I know on Boys mm-hmm. Series the website, and then your personal one is what? Uh, Esong Smith. Okay. Yeah. That's like what coffee. Sure, coffee, random stuff, more personal me, weird, quirky, doesn't know what she's saying sometimes and forgets most of the names on books and television shows. I will, I will <laughs> so. put that up so people can, because I'm not joking when I talk, I'm like, everyone has a coffee post, but like, this is on a whole new level. So. I just want you to know, in case you had any doubt, I do love coffee. <laughs> I'm going to put that up. So, thank you. Thank you. Peace.